Welcome to the Coached Success Podcast. This podcast is aimed at connecting you with the ways top performers think about challenges so that you can adapt your thinking accordingly and live your version of Ultra Extraordinary. So today on the call, we have Jerome, Jerome Michaels. Jerome, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, Mr. Carl, and yourself? I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm excellent. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Jerome, do you want to tell us who is Jerome Michaels? Tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, my name is Jerome Michaels. I am um, from Cape Town, South Africa, Mitchell's Plain. I'm currently married with two kids. I am an entrepreneur. I have Mm -hmm. a couple of businesses that I run. Um, Yeah, that's basically who I am now. Mm -hmm. Who I was is not actually who I am today. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, obviously, as you a family guy, entrepreneur, um, but this was not who you always were, and that you did grow up on the Cape Flats, in Mitchell's Plain, to be exact. Do you want to tell us a bit about who you were previously and what led you down this path? Do you want to give us some insight into that? Okay. Yeah, by all means, um, I, I was raised in a very church-going um, family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father and my mother was active in church. Um, they met at a very young age, so... They met, met at church, actually. We had a very good family up until the age of about 10 when my mother and my father decided all of a sudden they're going to get a divorce. We didn't know okay. um, what kind of problems they had uh, with each other, but they decided they got, um, they're going to get divorced. So all we knew was having this lovely, lovely family, being spoiled, going out with family, etc. and mm-hmm. stuff. And then we were so loved by both of my parents. And then all of this, looking for love, because now I didn't find love in the house. I needed to find mm-hmm. love somewhere else. And that's when I started at a very early age, 10 years old, um, roaming the streets, looking for love, starting to drinking, smoking. And then at the age of 13 years old, I was recruited in a gang. And, um, you know, growing up in Cape, in the Cape Flats, that is like a norm. You know, uh, most of the youngsters, they, they, they get involved into gangs, gangsterism. So I got involved in gangsterism for six or seven years of my life i just mm-hmm. got messed up with gangsterism i slept on the streets um some of your listeners might know uh, a place called town center in mitchell's plain i was in a mm-hmm. town center i was always looking for the next fix looking who i can rob or if there's a truck that comes and the guys are not aware so, so aware we would just hijack the truck or do something there was yes. a lot of crime activities that i got involved because i needed a fix but all in all it was just I'd never received love at yes. home anymore. And the love that I experienced as a youngster, I could find that in my friends because they were also from broken homes. They were also in the same situation and they could understand the language at the time that I spoke because mm-hmm. my speech was broken. Everything I spoke was, was of the hurt. I blamed both my parents. How could they do this to me? They don't love me the way they do. They don't, they don't care anymore. And I had these role models or these older guys that really showed me love man and the love that they showed me made them wanted me to do anything for them it's like if you have a good parent if you're a parent and you're a good parent your child will obviously do everything that they can possibly do for you yes and that was how i was with with, with the gangsterism i did whatever i could and eventually i got so much power from being this gangster in my teenage years because i was attending school and being a gangster in school all yeah. the quiet kids and the kids, they fear you. And that was how the enemy actually deceived and manipulated me in thinking that now I have that sense of importance. Because yes. remember, 
I felt important when I was in a family and I'm outside the family, so I'm not feeling any value or any important because the rejection of my parents made me feel that, oh my God, I'm not important anymore. But being part of this gang gave me that again, that made me feel important. When I used to roam on school, it's a joke today for me because I think where I've been, people feared me, man. They had that fear. They, they knew that here's this guy coming on and it's either him and his friends are going to do something, they're going to take our stuff. But that just made me feel that I felt safe, man, in that position. I, I felt strong. I felt like I am now important again. So over and above that, yeah, at the age of 19 years old, I got converted and here I am today. Wow, what an awesome testimony. Um, I love the fact that you said, you know, you discovered where you went wrong and what you were really seeking. Because many times we think that, you know, drug abuse or substance abuse or gangsterism or just delinquent behavior is the real problem. But actually, uh, just a symptom of a deeper underlying problem. Like you said there, you were seeking more. You were seeking that love, that acceptance that you were so used to getting from your family. And when yes. your family home or the home that you perceived as being perfect was broken up, you felt like now I needed to find that somewhere else. So yeah. that's also important lesson for us. When we look at other people, people who are currently going through the struggles to realize that they are not necessarily just bad, but it's something deeper and how can we yeah. try to give them a little bit of love or show some love or show that we acknowledge them, something that's deeper yeah. within them and not where they currently are because life is a journey. Sometimes that's take us to sleep you know, at a town center, like you said, for us to realize mm. what we can be and what we are meant to be. Okay. Definitely. So awesome, awesome, awesome story. Now tell me a bit about the rock bottom. So would you say that, being involved with gangsterism at that young age, would you consider that your personal rock bottom? I could consider that, but there is actually more to the story, you know. When I got converted at the age of 19, my eyes opened and I started realizing that I have no education, I have no job, I have nothing at all. And that was like a certain rock bottom for me at the time. And then, as you know, when your eyes open, you start looking for better opportunities in life. And I started looking for better opportunities in life. And it went to a point where I got a job, I completed my matric, I furthered my studies, I started working, earning a good income. And then at the time, it's almost like your past always try to get back to you. And eventually I realized that I'm exactly the same person who I used to be. And then at that time of my life, I hit another rock bottom because I was involved in church. I was involved in the community. And all of a sudden, the inner me or my inner man told me it was now more about myself because Jerome achieved this. Jerome did this. Look at Jerome's nice cars. Look at Jerome's nice job. Look at Jerome's nice this. And it was all about me, me. Look at the posters on the street. It's about Jerome. Look at the campaigns that's being held. It's about me, me, me. And it was never about the God that I served. And eventually it went to a point where it was so about me that I'm feeding myself more than I'm feeding mm -hmm. God or I'm feeding the people around me. I'm feeding my personality because like I said, I always wanted to fit in. I always wanted to be part of something amazing. I always wanted to be loved and feeling that important. And now I'm actually on that point where I feel so important. It's all about me. And then I hit another rock bottom in my life. So I will say being part of a gang and falling back and losing everything. At the time, I had a son and I had a girlfriend at the time. For like two years of my life, I never, ever worried about them. I was just party in, party out, party in, party out. Yet again, I received this 
amount of attention so much from other people. And mm-hmm. I enjoy that because now, yes, the church people mock me, but the other crowd that I'm part of now, they appreciate me and they value yes. me. And they say, yo, this guy throws the biggest parties. Yo, this guy, if you go out with him, he's the best. He's this and that. And you that feeling deep down in my heart where I wanted to feel important. And that was also a rock bottom for me because one day I just woke up and I realized, no, man, this is not me. This is not the way I suppose or I thought I would live my life because mm-hmm. I think it was, I was 28. So I now had about almost 10 years experience of Christianity and, and all those things because that was the foundation from zero to 10 that my mother and father gave me. So that drew it back to me. And at the age of 28, I realized, well, no, man, I need to stop. I need to grow up. I need to start looking for attention now. I've got enough attention. And then um, I just pulled up my socks and went back to church. And today I am who I am. I won't say I'm the most successful person, Mm -hmm. but I can honestly say if I do an outreach, there's more passion towards the outreach. If I go to a person that's on the street, that's homeless, and I give him a meal, I know exactly how it feels Mm -hmm. because I was hungry myself. If I go to prison and I do a prison ministry, I know what it is or feels like to be in prison. I have a a younger brother that's 16 years old. He's been in prison for more than 14, 15 years. I understand what it is for having a sibling in prison. I understand what it is having a a sibling that is sick. I I understand. So it was all pruning to get Jerome to where Jerome is today. So there's more passion. And when I do something at this point in my life, I know that I do it wholeheartedly because I know how it feels to come out of a broken home. Yes. And I love that. I love that you turned, you know, you turned your pains into your purpose. And I think that's one of the best things that we can do as individuals, as human beings at least, is because life is not going to be free or void of any pain. Okay, there's definitely going to be pain and obstacles, failures, um, challenges along our journey. And it's about us framing it in a way to say, what can I take from this? What gift does this painful situation have that will help serve me yes. at a higher level, okay? Or serve my purpose at a higher level. And like you said now, all the hard times, whether it was when you had to sleep outside, we were homeless, or you needed a handout from people, or you were committing crimes, whatever it is, that all allowed you to understand what it is to be someone in that situation. Now what that does is that when you are having those outreaches, like you said, you're not only more passionate about it, but... You understand the purpose. You understand the person. So it's more to than just, oh, I want to give you a meal. You know that there's a human being yeah. behind that with greater potential because you come from that struggle. And that is the powerful Definitely. thing that I want, I want us to understand is that no matter what challenge we are facing, there are gifts in there for us. And even if the gift is not for our life right now, but it is to serve others, then that's a blessing. Definitely. So you said like lots of these lessons that you've gotten through your journey um, has come to serve you. Do you want to tell us a bit about some of the, the current initiatives or outreaches that you are involved in? Yeah, we're basically involved with feeding scheme that we feed over 6,000 people a week. And then we're also involved in, um, there's been quite an extensive amount of fires happening in and around our area. Uh, houses just burning randomly. And because, you know, Cape Town is um, a time where there's a, a strong gale force winds. So a lot of people are losing every single thing and they are unable to rebuild it. So we are busy at the moment rebuilding people's houses and then also counseling people on a daily basis and uh, having a, a platform where we can engage, like the platform that you have today, 
um, with people because um, it's ultimately about the broken homes for us. Mm-hmm. It's trying to understand. I just spoke this morning. I spoke to somebody and they said, my son is again into into this and my son is again going into the, the wrong path. And it's tough as a parent to actually love your child unconditionally because of the things that they do. And obviously, she was expecting me to condemn the son, put him out. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, no, love him unconditionally. Pray for him and don't stop loving him. And that is what we're trying to do on a daily basis, to showing love to the people that's on the street. Because it's like you say, deep down, there's, there's somebody crying out for help. There's somebody crying out for love. It's just not about that meal that you give to a person. If you sit down and you do one-on-ones with these people and you actually realize, here's talent, here's hope. There's something mm-hmm. in this person and this person has so much potential. But it, it's the same like how I was. Maybe they didn't get enough attention. Maybe they didn't get the things that they needed or they come out of good homes. 90% of the people on the streets come out of good homes. And then you always ask them, why don't you go back to your, your family? And then they think, no, their families won't accept them again. So a lot of people look for that acceptance. And the only people that accept them is the people on the street because those people on the street speak the same language that they speak at the time of their lives. So yeah, we are busy, 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 busy trying to just, just not feed people, but also to educate them, to try and use my story Mm-hmm. to try and get them to be encouraged. And if they listen to where God has taken me out, and then sometimes people actually say no, but I can also make it. Sometimes there's people that they think, ah, this guy is just exaggerating. I'm yes. trying sometimes just to maybe water it down a little bit because if I must go into all the details, that's horrific. But I know today that wherever I went, it was just a stepping stone for where I am today. Mm-hmm. Because if I wasn't on the streets, if I didn't consume so much drugs in my life, I would never care about a drug addict. I would never mm-hmm. care about the homeless. I would never care about the kids coming out of broken homes. But today, because I went through that, I understand the pain and I understand the things that they go through. And when I speak to them, I can speak to them on their level because they don't want somebody to preach to them. They don't want somebody to correct them. They want somebody that can just listen to them. So that's basically, in a nutshell, what we're busy with um, at the moment, mm-hmm. yeah. You mentioned something really important there, like they just want somebody to listen to them. And I think that is ultimately what all human beings want, as they want someone to be able to listen to them, to validate them, to make them feel heard, yeah. to make them feel understood that, oh, yes, you are feeling this way, and I can understand why you are feeling this way. Because what happens most times is that, for example, like you were mentioning there about some of these kids come from good homes and then they do something bad out on the streets. So what happens is sometimes as an outsider, you hear someone says, you know what, I'm feeling so sad today. And you're like, pull yourself right. Why are you feeling sad? You have so much to be happy about. Or um, I'm feeling depressed or I'm anxious or whatever it is. So then our advice to them is, okay, but get out of it. Snap out of it. We don't put mm. ourselves in their shoes and to experience really what they are experiencing. And that's why you're able to connect with these individuals, like you said, on a deeper level and actually listen to them because you have gone through this journey knowing that it's important to acknowledge their pain, even if it means mm. that, you know what, they cause in pain because of a pain of a broken home. You understand? But for an yes, outsider definitely. who's never been through that, it might be like, okay, you robbing other people of their hard-earned money and you want me to feel sympathy for you because your parents were divorced? Do you understand what I'm trying to say now? Exactly, exactly. So that is the important part of it is that people want to feel heard. They want to feel acknowledged, their pains, their feelings. They want to feel like, listen, it's being acknowledged, that someone else is understanding. You don't have to agree with what they're doing, 
but we can try to see where they are coming from. And that's the way we can really influence and impact people. If you are enjoying this episode and would like some practical tips that you can use daily to thrive, then head over to coachedsuccess.com forward slash thrive and download our five daily tips to thrive. That is coachedsuccess.com forward slash thrive. Now let's get back to the episode. So Jerome, I know also that you said you're obviously busy with some initiatives now. Lots of houses are burning down. You guys have a feeding scheme, um, which I, I mean, it's doing really good. You said about up to 6,000 meals a week. I know a couple of months ago when lockdown started, you were just getting this project started. Um, so well done on yeah. that, first of all, on making an impact like that, because every little win along the way counts. It's major. It's a major win, even though it might just be adding another 100 or 200 to the amount of meals. Every little win is a major win. What do you think are some of the core struggles of people on the Cape Flats? I think um, this is just my opinion. I think, first of all, on the Cape Flats, we lack culture. That's the first mm-hmm. thing we lack. Some of the guys try, this one tries to be a white person, the other one tries to be an African person. Mm-hmm. It's like on Heritage Day, I said to people, why don't you identify what is your actual culture? Because I'm not trying to be a, a racist or anything. What I'm saying basically is we lack culture. And because we lack culture, we don't stand together on the cake flats. If something happens in our communities, if somebody steals Kyle's car outside, they know it's Peter that stole Kyle's car. They won't go there and tell Kyle, Peter stole your car because of the nature of how we are on the Cape Flats. We don't care about each other. We don't support each other. Even if I start a business on the Cape Flats, it's very difficult for me to do business amongst my own people. I will get more support outside my area. And when I do eventually get to a point where I'm getting successful, people will rather try to break me down. So I think as a person, I think what we need to do is That's the problem. The solution is for us to actually start supporting smaller individuals in the community, smaller organizations in the community. Look where you can lend a hand. Just not investing money. Investing your time is important. Caring about your neighbor. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, love thy neighbor like you love yourself. How much love do I have as a person for myself? And if I have so much love for myself, that is the way I should love others. So if I don't love myself, I won't love others. Look at what you can do to improve the surrounding around you. So with this whole initiative that we start, the intention was to actually start a revolution, you see, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of fires happening in other areas as well. There's a lot of people caught up in gangsterism in other areas as well. But now a lot of people are waiting for the police. What is the police doing? What is the government doing? What is organizations doing that is registered doing? They are doing nothing. We are just normal people. Average people coming from the same background, no registrations, nothing. But what we want to do is we want to show people that we are together in this cause. We can do it together. If something happens, Kyle went to the shop, he got robbed. Let's address the situation. Let's go to the person because it's our own people robbing and stealing Mm -hmm. from ourselves. It's our own brothers and sisters killing one another. So that's why what we want to do is we want to start a revolution. Let's say for arguments like the three houses that we are involved with now, just to wrap up what I'm saying now. Let's say we do raise the 100000 that we are intending to raise. Let's say it hits the media and say a couple of guys from Mitchell's Plain rebuild elderly people's houses 
Mm-hmm. It's now rebuilt. Here's pictures of the house, blah, blah, blah. What will happen to Pontyville? What will happen to Menenberg? Somebody's house will burn down and people will think, but there were a couple of guys in that area. And that's how we want to start a revolution. That's how we want to start a trend and say, we can do what other colored people are not doing. And I don't want to put racism or a race to, towards this thing, but that is what we lack because 90% of the killings on the street, 90% of the robbings is our own people. It's not mm-hmm. people from outside coming here to our community. So yeah, that's basically what I think the challenges are, that we are not very much together. And the sad part as well is when it comes to our financial support that, that we get, I normally told, as an individual, I would get from close friends and family members, and I don't want to go too deep in it, but it's mostly strangers that actually mm-hmm. do assist you and go the extra mile. Brother, I saw you busy with this. Here's this. Brother, I saw you. And I'm like, I don't even know this guy, but he goes the extra mile. And that just shows you yet again that we don't get the support we need. And sometimes it's important for the people close to us to support us. If you intend on going into a career of soccer or cricket or any sport or any activity, who's the people that you want to be on the sideline screaming, go Jerome, go Jerome. It's your mm-hmm. family and your friends. It's not strangers shouting your name. So yeah, and that's why I, I think that's what we lack. If I become more of a support structure and I have that supportive role and I know I'm going to support my neighbor, I'm going to support the neighbor across the road, I'm going to support that one. What are you busy with? Come, I want to I wanna support it. I want to encourage you to be better. And then we will actually achieve what we want to achieve in the Cape Flats. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And that is something that I've also noticed, um, you know, the fact that, especially Cape Town, there's a lack of integration amongst our people, you understand? And what I usually boil it down to is the fact that the mindset, there's a mindset that's been instilled in us that we need to be the best. And that's what Cape Town is very driven by, the ego. People in Cape Town are very ego-driven. They, whether they need to have... No, seriously, like, they will not have enough money to put food on the table, but they make sure they have the latest pair of Jordans. Okay? Or, mm. So that's egos to show that, listen, yeah, shoes is good. It makes me good. You understand? That makes me, me doing mm. well. So it's the short-term perspective to show that I am worthy. And how they mm. buy? They buy in their worth. You understand? Instead of creating their worth, creating the feeling of worth through integrating, creating a community, um, having the support for each other and building each other up. But what they are doing is instead of that, they are breaking their brothers and sisters down. So that means that they can get elevated. And that's where it's going wrong. Mm. So they derive in their sense of worth through breaking other people down. And you can hear it a lot through the talk, the way people speak. They will always try to find mm. something wrong with those who are doing good. Whether it is, he doesn't have yes. the Mercedes. Yeah, you got the new Mercedes. Oh, yeah, no, that's just the 2015 model. You know, we always want to downplay. <laughs> we always want to downplay the success of another individual. But we forget that these yeah, people come, came from the same struggle. Understand? They came from the same background. And to get what they have, it's an achievement. Every win along the way is a win. So we need to learn to start celebrating one another more. And I think if that's where the change is going to happen when we start celebrating and saying, you know what? I want you to win. Because you winning doesn't make me less than. You understand? That's what the perception mm. is right now. If, if Jerome wins, that means Kyle can't win. Okay? So I don't mm. want Jerome to win. That's, that's the whole thing, guys. Which is holding us back. It's holding everybody down. So I can agree with that. Also, I love the fact that you spoke about having a knock-on effect. So you started with these two houses, um, trying to help rebuild it so that other people can see and they can see, you know what, what can be done if you really put your mind to it um, and gather the support of people so that it can have a knock-on effect in different communities. So awesome. 
Tell me a bit about, you know, what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned up until this point from the struggles that you faced? I think being able to every time rebuild, being able to rebuild. Like you asked me, what was your rock bottom? I mean, there was a couple of rock bottoms in my life that I had and the power within myself to be able to rebuild. Even if I know today I'm going to go out without sleep, uh, sleeping without a meal, even though I'm giving out meals, but I'm sleeping without even having a meal myself. And I realized that it's not about me anymore. It's not about me, but it's the ability that I have to always rebuild. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's important for me. And um, my wife will always joke about me she was with me and saying, you always help others. You always help others. When you start helping yourself. And deep down, I've realized all my entire journey was about me. Now it's not about me. It's about the effect I can have on others. Mm-hmm. And it is like there's a scripture when Jesus was also on the cross. They said to Jesus, you know, others you could have helped, but you cannot help yourself. But that was just to distract Jesus from his actual purpose. Mm-hmm. So, yes, if it's about me, I'm not going to serve my purpose. But if it's about others, I can serve the purpose. Because 20, 30, 100 years from now, we still want to know what have I done and how effective have I lived my life on this earth. And the legacy that I'm going to leave behind will be here forever. I mean, my grandchildren and your grandchildren and our great-grandchildren will know the name of Nelson Mandela for the rest of of their lives. Mm -hmm. That name won't ever end. It will be the name, like the name Jesus. It will always be there. And that is a superpower that I think I want to make an impact on other people's lives. That's, that's important. Um, so first of all, extremely powerful. I love the fact, so there's two key things that I'd like to touch on based on that. First of all, the fact that you say that, you know what, your superpower is the ability to rebuild. And that lies within all of us. Yet so many of us are not able to tap into that power where we are able to say, you know what, even if I fall down, even if I fail, I can get up and I'll back myself all the way to achieve my vision. Okay, to fulfill my yes. purpose. So that's that's excellent because that ultimately boils down to resilience. And the most successful people in the world are resilient because they face the hardships, they face the challenges, but they haven't been held back by that. So that is one key yes. key trait and characteristic that I always tell people. They need to start building resilience because sometimes we forget all the bad times that we have survived. So when this next obstacle comes, whether it's a COVID or a lockdown or whatever it is, being unemployed, um, when an obstacle like that arises, immediately we're like, oh, my word, my world's going to end. But your world's not yes. going to end. You face challenges like this before, maybe in a different form, but you faced many before and you're still here. Mm. So it's our ability to tap into that and that becomes a real power. And then finally, you also spoke about your mission is now not about you. It's about mm. helping others. It's about serving. And I would just like to conclude that this is something that's extremely powerful because when we move away from focusing on our selfish needs, then we are able to then create an impact and not only in our lives, but in the lives of others, because you will never be truly fulfilled if all you're trying to do is fill yourself, because you will always be something else that you feel like you need, that you feel like you're lacking because all your focus is inward. Oh my word. No, I don't have this. My car is a bit older or I need this. I need that. Mm. So you're always noticing all the things that you don't have. Instead of noticing what you do have. Rather than think. Yeah. Definitely. And that, <laughs> that is amazing being able to know that, you know what? I don't focus on what I don't have. I focus on what I do have. And when you are in the service of others, you start realizing how blessed you are. Definitely. Yeah. Jerome, first of all, I have to say thank you for taking the call on a Saturday and um, sharing your journey and the impact and vision that you have and that you're making on the Cape Flats. 
Thank you very much for your time, Kam. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. This is a weekly podcast. So tune in every Monday to get your dose of inspiration that will help guide you in designing your version of an extraordinary life. This is Carl Daniels. Wishing you an amazing day. Stay winning.